the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, it has clearly been a strange year, and we are going to talk about COVID-19. We'll talk about monkeypox and give you an alert about why a flu shot is so important to you. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol Zorniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and we're delighted to welcome Dr. Michael Amali. Dr. Amali earned his medical degree from Boston University School of Medicine in Boston, Massachusetts, completed his internal medicine internship and residency at the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, completed his cardiology fellowship at Wilford Hall and Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, and he is a 14-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force, reached the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, served seven years on active duty and seven years in the reserves. He is Chief of Cardiology and, cardiology and Specialty Care for Wilmed Greater Texas Region, and he's board certified in internal medicine and more. And Dr. Molly, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ron. You know, we talked the other day off the air about how uh, you really became the leading edge for COVID-19 for WellMed Medical Management, and you've been really in the forefront of figuring out where we are and where we're going. What was your interest in infectious diseases? Well, you know, Ron, I've always been interested in infectious diseases. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I wound up in Seattle initially um, to do my training. Um, I had some great mentors in medical school and in residency. And although, um, you know, I dedicated my life to cardiology, I've always been um, interested in epidemiology and public health. And so this has been, you know, uh, it's been a very interesting few years. And when you look at the pandemic and, and where we are now, I remember early on and for week after week after week, uh, you and uh, uh, others at Wellman were doing literally weekly, sometimes daily briefings on the status of COVID-19. It's impact on patient care. Where are we now? Can we breathe a sigh of relief? Well, that's a, you know, that's a a challenging question to answer, especially in the limited time. You know, we could talk about where we are now in the pandemic um, for a long time, Ron. I, I, you know, we've definitely evolved to a new place. I think we're, you know, if I had to say we're at the tail end of the pandemic, we have, um, I think we've clearly learned how to, uh, as a society, live with COVID. Um, we've uh, definitely learned a ton um, about this virus. We've uh, learned a lot about treatment and prevention. Um, and, um, you know, we're, it, COVID is much less scary now than it was uh, a couple of years ago because there's so much more that we know and so much more that we can do. And we're definitely moving to a place where um, COVID is endemic or just part of our normal lives, like 
uh, colds and and you know flu season comes every year. Um, and and we're we're moving very closely to in that direction. We're 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 getting very close to being there. And, and of course, uh, with vaccinations available, uh, if you're not vaccinated, Doctor Molly, you strongly recommend get vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, those that know me have heard me talking about this now for um, you know going on eighteen, nineteen months. Um, the the data was really strong when our vaccines came out. We had a lot of great data. And since that time, the strength of that data has only become um, just, you know, orders of magnitude stronger. We now know without, a sh- w- w- without any possible um, question that uh, vaccines prevent people from um, what we're most concerned about, which is those severe outcomes, hospitalizations, and death from COVID-19. Um, you know, I, I, we hear people talk about this, and we probably see this in our, our, our normal lives, that people who have been vaccinated still can get COVID. It's going to happen, right? Um, but if at the beginning of the pandemic, I said, um, I'm going to give you something, and um, you may get COVID, but if you do, it's just going to be a cold, I think we all would have been extremely happy with that. Well, that's, sure. where, that's where we are now. Um, you know, our vaccines protect us from what we want to be protected from, which is those very severe outcomes and dying. And, and really now in 2022, um, COVID-19, in most, most cases, uh, dying from COVID-19 is preventable. And I see that Pfizer is now uh, trying to get emergency approval uh, for a booster that would not only provide COVID-19 protection, but targeting that Omicron uh, style virus that COVID-19 mutated into. Yeah. So, I mean, Omicron is just another variant of the virus and there's, you know, after Omicron, there's going to be another one. Um, it, it is the rule, uh, rather than the exception. It is the rule that viruses mutate. This virus is going to continue to mutate. And so Omicron is just where we are today. Um, we are, uh, starting to, to look forward to the, uh, possibility in the near future of what um, is referred to as a multivalent vaccine. In other words, a vaccine that uh, covers more than one variant of the virus. Um, and so it'll provide even better protection. And I do believe and hope that that will happen um, very soon. It's often challenging to predict uh, when um, the next, um, you know, the, the next product medication vaccine is going to be available. But I'm hoping it's going to be, um, you know, this fall or early in the winter. All right, stay with us. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and we're talking with Dr. Michael Amali, head of cardiology and specialty practice at WellMed Medical Management, and we're talking with him about COVID-19 and the various vaccines and boosters that are out there. I've been vaccinated. I've been boosted, I think, three times now. Uh, if that new one is approved from Pfizer, should I get that as well? Well, um, I, probably, although, you know, everybody's case is a little bit different, and it really is going to depend on when you got your last booster. Um, we want to give you a booster when your immunity has waned based on the evidence that's available. And so after we give someone a booster, we do know that they have really, really strong protection for a while, and then that protection starts to diminish. Fortunately, the protection that diminishes first 
uh, what we see is that your protection from infection diminishes, but not from severe infection. So even though you might get COVID, um, you know, a few months after a booster, um, you're really protected against going to the hospital or from dying. Um, and so it really is going to depend for you, Ron, you know, when you got your last booster um, and your existing medical conditions. And so that's why it's so important to have those, those conversations with your healthcare provider. Now, just when we got comfortable talking about COVID-19 and understanding the risks, along comes something called monkeypox. And once again, Dr. Romali puts on that infectious disease hat, and you looked into it as well. Uh, is there the same kind of risk to catch monkeypox as with COVID-19? Well, I'm glad you introduced it that way, Ron, because, you know, the way you, you described it, and the way I hear a lot of people describe it this way, which is, well, then along came monkeypox. And you have to understand monkeypox has been around for a long, long time. It was first described in the 1950s. We saw, and that was in, in um, uh, research animals, but we saw it actually in, in nature and in natural circumstances as early as um, about 50 years ago. And we've had monkeypox outbreaks uh, sporadically since the 1970s. Wow. Um, in fact, we've had, we had a monkeypox outbreak back in you know, about 20 years ago. So this is not new. Um, our current outbreak is probably the, the, well, not probably, is the, the biggest outbreak that we've seen. Um, but this is not a new virus. This is not a new infection. Um, because of that, we really know a lot about monkeypox now as compared to when COVID first came. And, and you know, we were learning a lot every day. You know, there was more and more information coming out every day. Well, monkeypox, we have a lot of information already. Um, we have treatments that were available right away. We actually have vaccines that have shown to be um, pretty effective against monkeypox, and they were available at the start of this outbreak. Um, so it's really very different. Um, in addition to that, um, pretty much everything about this virus is different than, than SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Um, the way it's transmitted is different. The, um, the type of illness that it, it causes and uh, fortunately, um, you know, at this point, we don't see people dying from monkeypox. I don't think that there's been a death in the United States yet from monkeypox. Now, is it related at all to chickenpox and smallpox? As a kid, uh, I had chickenpox, and I can remember the little pustules that uh, broke out on my body. It was pretty frightening at the time. And I look at the pictures of folks with monkeypox, and I think back to me with chickenpox. Yeah. So is it related? Well, they're, they're, they're all viruses. Um, and so in that way, they're related. Um, it is not very closely at all related to chickenpox, but it actually is very closely related to smallpox. Fortunately, it results in a much more mild disease than smallpox did. Now, remember, smallpox was eradicated. Um, you know, there are people on this uh, that are listening that probably had that smallpox shot back in the 60s. And, and you know, that was they, they ended it right around 1970. Um, um, but uh, a lot of people here received that smallpox vaccine. Well, this monkeypox uh, virus is very similar to the virus that caused smallpox. But again, uh, uh, fortunately for us, it results in much less severe disease. Who's at risk? So, you know, anybody who's had close, um, uh, close personal, prolonged, uh, or intimate contact with someone who has monkeypox or is suspected of having monkeypox is, of course, at risk. So anyone can get monkeypox. 
In our current outbreak, we're seeing that the majority of cases um, are occurring in men who have intimate contact with other men. But that is not the only group that can get monkeypox. Um, that is just in this current outbreak who happens to be um, contracting the disease most. Now, is it airborne like COVID or not? So, you know, it, it, it just like COVID, the one thing that's similar is that everything comes down to probability, right? So um, the, the, the more significant your exposure is, the more likely you are to get a disease. And that's really true for most infectious diseases. Um, well, COVID was very, very, or is very, very, very contagious. Fortunately, monkeypox is not as contagious. Um, it really does require that close personal contact. And while it can be spread through respiratory secretions, it really requires someone to have symptoms and a lot of contact between respiratory secretions to get the disease. Stay with me. We're going to come right back to you. I want to find out a little bit about uh, why some, like COVID versus monkeypox, more contagious than other viruses. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernil, our co-host on special assignment today. We're talking with Dr. Michael Amali, a cardiologist who heads up all of the information and programs on infectious diseases like COVID-19 at WellMed. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're so pleased you are sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today. And we're talking with Dr. Michael Amali. Dr. Amali, a cardiologist by practice and trade, also has become very knowledgeable in infectious diseases like COVID-19 and monkeypox. And Dr. Amali, we were talking about risk of catching COVID-19 or monkeypox. What makes one virus more contagious than another? So, um, you know, these are really very different viruses. The, the structure of the viruses are different. The genetics of the viruses are different. Um, and so it's really hard to compare them. Um, what I can tell you is that with, uh, uh, with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, um, it is very transmissible, right? And, and especially the Omicron variant, is, it really passes very easily from one person to another. Um, and the most concerning thing about transmission of, of COVID-19 is that it can and often does occur before the onset of symptoms. So, you know, the problem we had with controlling the spread of COVID was that an individual um, was generally infectious for 24 to 48 hours before they even knew they were sick, um, as opposed to monkeypox, where an individual really isn't infectious until they have symptoms. And you know, often those symptoms are are the um, you know the pustules or the the blisters that you had mentioned before. Um, you know, there are respiratory symptoms as well, um, but you know the majority of the spread of this of this uh, virus is through contact. Um, you know, the, the fluid or 
or um, the particles on your skin that, that can get um, into it, you know, that can that can touch another person or get on their clothes, get on in uh, in their skin, um, especially if they have open sores. Um, but that doesn't happen with monkeypox until a person has symptoms. And because of that, it's a lot easier to control this 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 infection um, because people don't really like to go out of the house when they're feeling poorly. They you know they have a fever, they want to stay at home, and they want to get under the covers, and they have blisters, they don't want to leave the house. So. Um, that's why this is, you know, the spread of this virus is so much less concerning than than was the spread of SARS-CoV-2. And if you were vaccinated against smallpox, is that a protection against monkeypox? Yeah, so probably to some degree, although remember, we stopped doing um, widespread smallpox right. vaccinations about 50 years ago. I'm, I'm um, uh, 50, I think 50. 352, somewhere in there. But anyway, I know that I missed the small, personally missed the smallpox vaccination uh, window by just a few weeks that you you couldn't get, I believe that you couldn't get back in, you know, 1969, you had to be a year old in order to get it. And so they stopped it just uh, right, right before I would have been eligible. So anyone who's my age or younger probably has not been vaccinated for smallpox. Anyone who's older than me probably has you know, 50 years is a long time. And so right. how much protection does that give you? Probably not a ton right now. Um, and so I would not um, assume that if I had been vaccinated for smallpox that I was really safe at all. And I would really still want to avoid any high risk behaviors that might put me at risk. And smallpox exists only in a vial locked up in a lab somewhere. Yes, um, I think that that's probably a very safe, uh, a very safe statement is that smallpox was eradicated. Um, we don't see uh, smallpox other than in research situations right now. You know, of course, in the past, there's been concern about smallpox being used in biological warfare, but there's no right. nothing to suggest that that's happened. either. Because that'd be pretty frightening since so many people are not vaccinated against it. I agree. That would be frightening. Now, we've been talking about COVID-19, talking about monkeypox. Uh, it's getting close to the time of year uh, where physicians like yourself talk to people about getting that flu vaccine. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's really important um, in 2022 um, for all individuals, and especially those who are the most vulnerable, um, to make sure that not only are they up to date on their COVID shots uh, based on current CDC recommendations, but they get that annual flu shot. It's really, really important. Um, you know, in a in a manner similar to um, COVID, you know, I have people tell me, well, I got the flu shot and I still got the flu. But, you know, all those people live to tell about it. They get the flu and it's possible you can get the flu after getting a flu shot. And it's, uh, you know, you feel like you have a bad cold or a flu, but you get better in your own house, in your own bed, and you don't wind up in the hospital and you don't wind up dying. And that's really what we're trying to pre- prevent. Um and so at the same time that you're thinking about that COVID shot, make sure you get your flu shot as well. And you could get them on the same day. Yeah, you can get them on the same day. Yep, I would recommend getting them on different arms, but you can't get them on the same day. You may not feel well for the 24 to 48 hours after you get those shots. Um, I would say that right now we're um, you know, just moving toward flu shots. If you haven't got your COVID shot, go out and get it right now. Um, and then, you know, in a few weeks, I think we're getting pretty close to a time that we're going to be giving out flu shots. Now, over the years, having uh, talked about flu shots on the air quite often, uh, as I recall, 
uh, it's kind of a roll the dice where the government tries to predict what variant of flu will be here. Yeah, so that's that is true. Um, you know, there's um, there the, the flu virus moves quickly, mutates quickly, and so we are um, our scientific community has to predict which flu strains are going to be the ones that spread throughout the world that, that you know, kind of like Omicron took over or, or, or um, you, you know, uh, made it so that the other uh, variants of SARS-CoV-2 were no longer around. Same thing happens with influenza. There's going to be one dominant strain that kind of chokes out all the other ones. And sometimes we get it really, really accurate. And our flu shots are really great at targeting that flu virus. And sometimes we're a little bit off. Either way, though, we get a lot of protection. I mean, even sometimes the protection may be as low as 50 to 60% against infection, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's really still very good against those severe outcomes that we worry about, which is hospitalization and dying. And remember, people can die from influenza. And they do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's interesting to me, a couple of years ago, uh, when many of us were sequestered in our homes or wearing masks whenever we went out, uh, the incidence of flu dropped significantly. Uh, in this country. Yeah, you know, this will be the first first flu season um, that um, is uh, after COVID and yet is kind of at a time where we're starting to act like we were pre-pandemic. You know, it, it, the influenza season last year was a small one because we still, our behavior was still really altered by COVID. Um, we are acting um, more socially than we used to, you know, during COVID. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year. But I, I do believe that a lot of our behavior has permanently changed. And so I'm hoping, and I think that it's a reasonably safe hope that, um, we see smaller flu numbers this year because as a society, as communities, we are more aware of infection control. We wash our hands more. We, uh, stay home when we're sick more often than we used to. Um, and so I hope that that, you know, I hope that that results in fewer cases of, of influenza this year. It's interesting that you bring up stay home when you're sick. Uh, in many corporations, the corporate culture was go to work no matter how you feel. And that's changing now for good reasons, right? I think absolutely. I think that there was um, a unspoken rule in a lot of organizations um, um, and even, you know, in schools as well, which is you know, tough it out. If you're sick, tough it out. Don't don't stay in bed. You know, you got to go out there and still go to work and pretend like you're not sick. And that that was probably bad advice, and that was probably bad decisions. And we learned that during COVID that um, you know, there's I don't want people around me who are sick. I don't want to get sick myself. I need to be productive too. And I have family members that may be um, very vulnerable, and so I would like to keep myself and them healthy. Um, I think that our mindset uh, has changed, and hopefully. Um, it has uh, changed permanently. As you think about viruses, and uh, you had that uh, interest in medical school and beyond in infectious diseases, uh, they're an interesting creature of sorts. Uh, by many definitions, viruses are not alive. That That is true. That Viruses are one of those organisms that are kind of in between what we would consider to be the definitions of life and not life, right? So viruses can replicate, but they require, um, they require other cells to replicate. Um, they uh, act differently, um, but, you know, viruses um, infect others and, and, and do replicate. So it, it's, that is a, it's a hard distinction to make. 
Um, they're different than bacteria. Uh, we treat them different than bacteria. They mutate differently than bacteria. And um, yeah, they're, they're, and, and they're often confused, but they shouldn't. They're very, very different. So, so what came first, uh, animal life or viruses? <laughs> um, I, my guess is animal life, but I don't, know. I don't know the answer to that question. I was thinking if we find life on other planets, will it be bacteria and viruses we find? Yeah, that's actually a very interesting question. Or, or is it something completely different that, we, that right. we've never even thought of before? And that, it's probably, that's probably the answer, right? A totally different definition and look for what life is there. We, we've gotten into a meaning of life discussion, Ron. It's the first time that <laughs> you and I have done that on one of these, one of these conversations. Well, we have. And unfortunately, we only have about a minute and a half left. So we're going to move on from there. Let's begin where we began. Uh, for those who are listening to Caregiver SOS on air or may have joined us late, if you haven't been vaccinated for COVID, get vaccinated. Absolutely. And I would even take it a step farther and say that we now have multiple options for different types of vaccines for COVID-19. And so if you were concerned or didn't or had issues with the um, with how new the mRNA vaccine, the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine, where we now have other options. Um, Novavax is now available. Um, so um, please, I, I don't care which vaccine you choose, um, but just get vaccinated. And get boosted. And get boosted, absolutely. And the CDC has done a great job of telling us exactly when and who is eligible for a booster at any given time. Dr. Michael Amali, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot. Always do when I listen to you. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate you being here. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk again soon on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com